All right, again, welcome. Thank you for showing up. Hopefully this will be a good, good class. I, I'm looking forward to conversation in this class. Um, I'm gonna start with a word of prayer and then we'll, uh, we'll kick off with what, what the topic is. So if you don't mind. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity you've given us to again come and study your word. Father, we ask that you would allow us to open our hearts and minds to, to what you have written in scripture and Father, let us study it in a way that is meaningful to us and is reflective of, of our faith and trust in you and our, our confidence that you are going to guide us to the right solution and the right answers in all the things in life. Father, we ask all this in your Son and our Lord and Savior's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, with that being said, I, to, I had a whole topic in mind of how this was going to flow. Um, this is kind of an ad-lib session within the, the sequence of, of the, the course. I don't have anything. I, I got a couple of things prepared. And this is the time that I, I put in content based on the conversation uh, of what we've been talking about, trying to help round things up. And so as, as I was putting it together in my mind and trying to figure out which pieces to put in, uh, I hit upon the concept of training, which in the joint world, uh, the, the different services did not train together, believe it or not, until uh, the 1980s. Um, actually, it was, it was 1984, Goldwater Nichols Act, is what is what instituted what's commonly referred to as the Joint Chiefs of Staff. We have this whole structure that, that puts things together. Um, based on what happened uh, in the uh, the attempt to rescue the Iranian hostages uh, called Desert Eagle. Um, so that was a colossal failure or waste. I, I shouldn't say waste, it was a colossal failure. Um, but it taught the military that, hey, if we don't train together, if we don't actively participate in exercises together, we're gonna continuously have these failures like this. And so Goldwater Nichols came about, they decided to put the Joint Chiefs of Staff together, uh, they created this thing called the Joint Training Command, uh, and, and all of a sudden the services had to play, train, like we would actually go into war and fight. And that increased a whole lot of synergy between the different units. And so because they train, they go through these joint exercises where the Army and the Navy and the Air Force and Marines all have to play together, we have to learn how to do that. And that created a whole bunch of protocols and, and policy and procedures on how you actually do this stuff. So the question is, how do we, as Christians, organize and prepare ourselves and train ourselves to actually do things that the church needs to be doing? So I want to start with a quick story. Um, I'm actually going to borrow some um, content again from another class because I think this is kind of reflective. Uh, but this is about a Chinese general named Sun Tzu. And Sun Tzu had a, a very practical example of training one time. Uh, this king of the, uh, one of the Qi states had heard about Sun Tzu and asked if he would come and teach his military, the, the generals, or the, the, the Chinese emperor's military, how to fight. Sun Tzu came and said, sure, I'll, I'll teach your military. But the king had a trick. When Sun Tzu arrived, the king took 180 of his concubines and lined them up in the courtyard and said, if you're such an amazing general, train these women to fight as effective as any military and you have until sundown today to do it. Sun Tzu's okay, you got it. He lined the girls up, he put 90 in each side, pulled one woman out of each of the groups and said, you are now the group leader. Sun Tzu said, here's how this works. I will say a command, the leaders of the women will repeat the command and the command will be continued. Here's what we're going to do. 
and you walk them through how to do turn right, turn left, parade formations, that kind of thing. Just basic, how do you move, kind of like parade ground drills. So we lined them up, got them in front, and he said, uh, Sun Tzu asked the girls, or I'm sorry, um, he lined them up in formation, and he had the concubines give the order to face right, the two leading concubines. This was in front of the general, or in front of the, the king now. And so the emperor's up, so the girls are standing in front of the emperor, and the girls giggled a little bit. Sun Tzu stopped, and he said, did you understand the orders? And the women said, yes, we understood the orders. He said, okay, here's the problem. If the order is given, and the troops understand the order but fail to obey, the commanders have failed to discipline the units. He ordered the two concubines forward, and they'd be beheaded. The emperor came out of his skin, rushed forward and said, no, 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 these are my two favorite concubines. You can't kill them. Sun Tzu said, you gave me until nightfall to produce you an army. You have relinquished the army to my command. These two women will be beheaded. And they were. Sun Tzu looked at the crowd and he said, next two, come forward. You are now the commanders. Sun Tzu then said, face right, the men. Women turned face right. Sun Tzu then marched the women through the entire parade drill as if they had been seasoned soldiers. He turned to the Chinese emperor and said, these women are now ready to perform any, any drill that you would like to have them perform as soldiers. The emperor was a little disdained. But that's the difference between doing good and being good. Susan and I had a little bit of a conversation on this on the way to church, and so I, I wanted to fold that in because it's, as, as Christians, we have, we have a great opportunity to do good things, amen? But we have a calling to be good, and that creates a little bit of a, a challenge sometimes. If you remember, Christ said, if you're not willing to leave your mother, your father, if you're not willing to leave this world and be good, it doesn't matter what you do. Doing good is relevant, but it's not critical. Being good is the critical step. Don't do good because you want to be seen as doing good. Do good because it's a natural response of being good. And that, that is something that causes a lot of people to, to, to kind of have a little bit of a challenge because the scripture walks us through what does it look like to do good. But the heart of the scripture is all about understanding what it means to be good. Okay, so I'm going to ask a couple of questions based on some content that we had over the past few weeks. We talked about interpreting scripture. And we talked about how do we interpret Scripture and understand what the Scripture tells us. And, and Kwesi mentioned a few things. I wish he was here because I think he has some very good comments on this. What does it mean when I say Scripture is self-interpretive? Scripture interprets itself. What do you think that means to people? Okay. For us Sorry, to, yeah, I'm going to ask for the mic just a minute, so please repeat. Uh, <laughs> You're good. I, I said this scripture speaks for itself. God doesn't need for us to add to or take away from it. His word is very clear. The problem is we try to put our spin on what God's word says, 
And that's not what it's intended for. Exactly. Scripture is, Scripture can, scripture can reveal itself as we search the Scripture. God does not need man to step in and try to add notes in the margins and say, this is what Scripture means. It can be helpful at times. Don't get me wrong. Notes about what Scripture means can be helpful. But if you ever get confused, the notes in the margin are about doing good. The Scripture is about being good. Does that distinction make sense? Okay, now we've got the distinction set up. So, as we walk through Scripture, if you hit a point in Scripture where it isn't quite clear what's going on, what are some of the things that we can do to train ourselves and train the church on how to deal with Scriptures that aren't exactly 100% clear and transparent? What are some of the things we can do there? Hold on, just a second, let me get a mic over to right here in front. Okay, so one of the things that I was thinking, well, I thought, you know, study to show, you know, thyself approved. Yes. So we have to study, but then, you know, it's like sometimes even though I'm studying, I still can't quite get it. Mm -hmm. So, and I thought about the scripture, um, you know, how can they hear without a preacher? Right. And I, I thought about the, you know, like the Ethiopian eunuch, you know, he was he was reading, but he was like, you know, is he talking about himself or some other man? So sometimes we do need. We need to be prepared to answer questions that others may have. And sometimes I'm not. I, I may be a little lacking. OK, so I need I need help. Exactly. So as we study, we have to study not for just our own understanding, which is the first thing that we need to do, but it helps us if we have been doing something called the nobility test. Remember the Bereans? The Bereans were considered noble because they were constantly in the scripture. They were working through it themselves daily to decide what, trying to figure out what it meant. How does this apply? And so there's a concept that we have to work together, studying the scripture together, exactly like we are doing right now, to say, hey, I've read this scripture. When I read this, it says this to me from my perspective. From my experience in life, this is what this scripture means to me. What does it mean to somebody else? And through these various perspectives that we all have, we can work through scripture together collectively, and we can say, ah, now I understand when you take this scripture and the rest of the scripture around it, it means this. And this is how this works. Come in the back. I think before we uh, try and say what does this scripture mean to me, we should uh, take a look in the in scripture and see um, you know, if that topic has been covered other places in the Bible. Because the most important things in the Bible just weren't mentioned once, you know, uh, you know, in passing. You know, there are great themes you know dealt with over and over again by different people at different you know times and and eras in the bible so that we can see that uh, uh that the god of the old and the new testament is one god and that god had you know consistent ideas about that so if jesus never said anything about homosexuality it doesn't mean that it's not important 
right. you know, in the Christian church so that we take a look at, you know, how it's dealt with, you know, and other places in scripture. So there's a variety of things that can be uh, dealt with before we see what's it mean to me, what's it mean to God in these other different contexts and how it applies to other people in scripture. Absolutely. You hit two keywords, context and consistency. The scripture is going to be consistent and the scripture is going to provide context on all things that are that are at the heart of being good. Amen? If it's about being good, if it's that intrinsic quality of being a good Christian, the scripture is going to be replete with example and discussion. Um, Quasi, got a comment here. Hold on, hold on just a second, let me get a mic for you. I would like to talk about willingness. Willing? The, the, the willingness. willingness. Willing to. Willing, okay. Yeah, yes. so because sometimes we read the scriptures as if we are reading a storybook. Okay. You know, and we read it anyhow. Um, if you look at Ethiopia, you know, as she mentioned, um, the Ethiopia you know, was reading, but was willing to get other understanding of what he didn't understand. Because he asked him, do you understand what you are reading? He says, no, unless somebody tells me. And if you look at Acts chapter 2, he said, what shall we do? Willingness. Right. So if you don't have the willingness and open up yourself, you know, for, because the Ethiopia, you know, it wasn't just by accident like Philip. Mm -hmm. It was the spirit of the Lord, which exactly. asked Philip to go there. Exactly. So the spirit of the Lord still works. But if you don't have the willing heart for the spirit of the Lord to tell you exactly what the scripture is saying, you will never understand because you have fixed up your mind on something. And you are always, I mean, on that thing that whatever you is told you from the scriptures again, you say, no, no, I don't, I will not, I will not accept this. I'm not saying that we should accept any idea but we should learn to divide the word of God in a proper way. Yes. The moment you divide it in a wrong way, you become a false person. You are, you are a false teacher. Right. Because you are, you are dividing it falsely. So willingness is key. Willingness to understand. And, and I think you hit on another excellent topic, willingness to share. We have to be willing to, to help others see what we're doing. Uh, another comment? Yes, please. Also, you have to take in consideration the content. We talked about this yep. in um, Carrie's class. You gotta, you gotta think about who was speaking at that time, who was the audience that they were speaking to. You know, we can't just go and pull a scripture to fit whatever we're trying to make fit. We gotta look at the whole situation of what was going on at that time, you know, who was talking to, you know, again, the content. We gotta right. look at the entire content of that topic. There has to be enough content to make it relevant. There has to be enough content to make it fit in, into the consistency of who Christ is and who God is. Uh, Susan and I went down to the Mormon temple the other weekend and we were looking at some of the things that were going on and we were like, well, wait a minute, that, that's a strange scripture to just take an entire, I mean, it's like a whole replete policy and process is built around these two verses that are actually one verse that's so far out of context, there's nothing else in scripture that even remotely talks about this. And so it's like, how does that fit? Hold on, just a second, let me get a mic for you. Oh, okay. So Susan wants me to tell you why we were there. Okay. <laughs> fair, fair. So the Mormon temple, the Mormon temple down in D.C. is this great big building up on the hill, and you can see it every time you drive around 495, and it reminds you of, like, the, the castles you see down in Disney World. And so we had gone a couple of times to see the grounds and the Christmas lights and everything else, because it's a really beautiful uh, 
uh, place to look at. And it's now open, so you can actually go into the temple itself and see how the building looks inside. It's a little underwhelming. I mean, it's not, a, it's not as elaborate inside as it is outside. Um, let's just put it that way. But it's still a well-done building. But we wanted to see it because it's only open. This is the first time in, I think, 40 or 50 years that it's been opened, so you can actually go in and see it. And, and Susan and I, honestly, we lived in Europe. We wandered around and saw castles and uh, cathedrals and all of the things. So we, we liked looking at how different people understand and try to build buildings to worship God. And that's kind of been the thing that's been a hobby of ours, to, to go do that. So that's the reason we were there. It's, we've, we've had visits from the Mormons. Unfortunately, the Mormons typically turn tail and run quickly when we open the Bible and start examining Scripture with them. Because the, the elder of the group, Mormons usually come in twos, the elder of the group quickly realizes that we're actually working the other way around. They're not here to proselytize us. We're trying to proselytize them, and the elders get nervous, and they run. You know, it's a great time to talk to Mormons, by the way, if they come and knock on the door, being willing, which is exactly what Quasi said, to invite those people in and say, hey, I understand you want to do good, but let's talk about being good first. Amen? Being good is based in Scripture. Being good is sitting down and, and having that, that interest that, hey, if, if I understand what Scripture tells me, and this is the hard part about Scripture, if I understand what Scripture is telling me and I take it to heart and I really, really believe that Scripture wants me to be a good person, and if that being good conflicts with how my mother or father think, and I can't worship God in the way that I know I need to worship God in this house. I have to be willing to leave that house because worshiping God and being in God's family is more important than being in an earthly family or doing good and being seen as doing good here on earth. That creates a lot of challenge in people's minds because now I have this, this friction this necessary challenge between what I believe and what others believe. But as Quasi said, being willing to listen to what other people say, but being willing to go to the scripture and explain our beliefs and work through that is exactly what Christianity is about. It's not, it's not easy. There's no easy button on being a Christian. If it were, God wouldn't have provided us the scripture. He'd simply give us a pamphlet and to have you know, five easy steps to being a Christian, and everybody would be able to follow it, amen? Scripture is, I mean, if you've ever seen the movie, the, I think it's The President, um, where he says being a citizen in America is advanced political science, it's not something, people aren't gonna tell you how to think to be a citizen in the United States, you have to think for yourself. That's what Christianity is about. You, we have to embrace and we have to be willing to, to really get in this and help learn help us understand and help others learn what Christianity is about. As the concubines we were talking about earlier when Sun Tzu said turn right, the, son, the concubines weren't committed to it. They, 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 they were just there to, to look good. They weren't there to be good. And they thought it was kind of, kind of silly that, that concubines would be asked to do this until the two were beheaded. And then they realized, oh, this is life or death. There, there is reality behind this. Unfortunately, Satan is going to try to get into this and try to convince us that life and death isn't really at stake. That really this is all about semantics and, and doing good is just as important as being good. And we have to be willing to challenge that particular thought at all costs. It doesn't matter how many trophies we have on the shelf. 
It doesn't matter how many pamphlets are pasted on the wall. It really doesn't even matter what people think of us personally. It depends on what God knows is in our hearts. And I work in a place where fortunately freedom of religion is one of the things I get to exercise, but I also have to understand that there's a lot of pluralities in the government work that go on, and I have to, I have to kind of limit some of the things that I might say because of federal and government constraints. Okay, that's a challenge. That's something that I have to live with. But I'm instructed by Scripture to understand that the government that we work for and the government that we have is the government that God has set up. Amen? I'm not going to go down any political rants. There's enough political stuff going on all around. But understand that it's the same principle. The society we live in is only going to be a reflection of how much effort we put into that society. This church is only going to be a reflection of how much we are willing to dedicate and commit to this church. But those are doing good things. We have to be good first. Yes, come in from the front. Or, sorry, here. So Quincy and I were having a conversation about this yesterday, and I had a conversation with about it with another brother. Excellent. If you look, if, if you look at the Gospels, you look at the Book of Acts. Yes. It gives us a, a clear picture of how we're supposed to be. Yep. And and what we're supposed to be doing, right? Yep. But then, once you get past the Book of Acts and all those years in between, the things that people did in the name of Christianity that were very very bad, it has tarnished our witness to a place where we have no option but to be out doing good. Exactly. And we, I'm, I'm glad you brought up Acts because I was thinking about this this morning. Acts 18, uh, starting at verse 24. This is talking about Paul as he's walking through and, and observing things that are going on. And he, and he comes across a guy named Apollos. And meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, had come to Ephesus. He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the scriptures. So this is no dummy. This is a guy who's been working hard, who understands things, he had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, where Priscilla and Aquila heard him. They invited him to, hear, to their home and explained to him the, the way of God more adequately. Exactly what Quasi was talking about. Here is a man who has been studying scripture, who's been working very hard and diligently, who knows what God, or he feels that he knows what God wants him to teach, but yet... Paul knows more about exactly what needs to be taught than Apollos. Now, Apollos could have gotten egotistical and said, look, I've got all these people that are listening to me. I've got this church going on great. I've got, we're, we're rocking and rolling here, man. We don't need any of your stuff. But Apollos was humble in his heart, and he was wanting to be good and not simply a doer of good things. And so he invited Paul and said, hey, Paul, what, what is this thing you're talking about? And can you imagine Apollos's mind being blown when Paul sits down and says, look, this is, this is what Christ actually wants you to know. Because now the thing that Apollos is trying to do, doing good, is going to be driven by Apollos's desire to be good. Quasi, hold on, just let me get a mic over here. Whilst I was driving home after that conversation, I yes. was thinking about Paul. Okay. Because Paul was just like the, the exact description of what we were, we were describing, 
Paul was part of the people who killed Stephen. Right. Paul was imprisoning Christians. Paul was killing so many people, and he was going to their homes to do all those things. Exactly. So, but when he became a Christian, when he met Christ face to face, the life changed. Exactly. And he was able to differentiate himself from his past. So that is as the exact life that we have to lead. Though so many things have gone on, so many things have happened, but for those of us who have seen Christ, for so, those of us who know about the Lord Jesus in the scriptures, we have to make a difference in the life of people. Right. They may be saying so many things about Christianity, but we have to stand as Paul who has been converted from the past to the present, who is trying to make people know about the Lord Jesus. Right. And, and Paul was trained on the road to Damascus. Amen. That was a life-changing moment for, for Paul. We can occasionally have life-changing moments and not even realize it. We can have somebody that's put on our path, and if we aren't receptive, if we aren't willing to listen, we may have something come across our path and we go, eh, and we ignore it, or we don't dig into it because it's the difference between doing good, I'm, I'm interested in doing good, and somebody's challenging me on being good. Now, being good is a very personal thing. It hits you in your heart. It's, it's the thing that pricks your heart and causes tears to well up in your eyes and your emotions to overcome you. That's the part that God wants to be soft and malleable. That's the thing that we have to be willing to say, do I have this right? Am I thinking about this clearly? Or maybe like Apollos, I know most of it. I've got 80% of the solution, but maybe there's a little piece that I don't have quite right and I need to, I need to be receptive to this other thing. The Lord's going to put a lot of opportunities in our paths for us to learn. The Lord's also going to put a lot of opportunities in our paths to help teach others. That's the piece I want to talk about for the next few minutes. How do we organize, train, equip, and prepare ourselves so that when those opportunities arise, we are prepared to say, hey, you know, I think we could do this. Now, as we step forward and try to help others, we have to be very careful of our motive. Am I trying to help somebody because it's the right thing to do? Or do I want to help somebody because I honestly care about their soul, who they are, what's going on in their lives? Am I willing to get down and walk a mile in their shoes to help them do the thing that they need done, to help them see the way things are? Philip and the eunuch is an amazing example of that. Philip was brought to the eunuch, and Philip went with the eunuch, and it was only during the time when the eunuch and Philip were traveling together did the conversation come up. We have to be willing to do that with people that we love, and, and even people that we may not even like that much. It's easy to do that for people we love, right? But is that the only people we're called to help? We have to help everyone. So how do we train ourselves? How do we get ourselves ready for this really intimate battle that's going to happen when we have a difference of ideologies with people that are around us? What are some of the things that we can do to help get ready for that? I'm sorry? Study. Exactly. Study for ourselves. Is there a difference in when you studied in high school for your own test or when you studied when you were going to be the one who had to show others how it worked? 
You remember that? You remember those, those classes where they group projected you and you had to have like one piece of it and you had to show the others how your piece worked? Was that a lot harder to study for than just you trying to regurgitate it on a test? Amen. Don't study the scripture like it's just your life at stake. Don't study the scripture like you're the only one who has to understand what this means. Study the scripture like you are going to be put on trial to explain your faith to others. Does that put a little difference on how we train and study? Yes. That's where I want us to be. I have never studied scripture nearly as hard as I do when I have to come up here and, and try to teach this class. <laughs> just, just point of order, I have never studied scripture as hard as when I am trying to teach a class. Fortunately, I got an opportunity when, uh, I don't know, 20 years ago, I guess, when, when we were uh, living over in Italy. We got to Aviano and Susan and I had been blessed with a church that had elders and deacons and teachers and I mean, just coming out of the wazoo and all you had to do was kind of just sit around and, and, and just absorb all of this great learning. And we hit Aviano Air Base in Italy and we walked into what we thought was the Church of Christ and it was and it is, uh, there were four families there. And they, they said, welcome brothers, um, congratulations, this is your first day. Here's a news flash for you, it's our first day as well. All four families showed up at this church on the same day because we had all PCS to the same place. Now, there was a couple that had been there. There was a fifth couple that had been there, and they kind of walked in, and they literally gasped as we walked. And they were like, you're here. We've been praying for you for months because they had four families at that church that had just PCS'd. And they were going, oh my gosh, how are we going to run a church with just two people? And literally, not more than a week had gone by when those families had left, and all four of us, all four of our families descended on the same church. And, it, and there were five families, and we formed the nucleus of this church. And I got a tap on the shoulder that said, hey, congratulations. Uh, your turn to preach is on, <laughs> is on the first Sunday. And your, your turn to teach Bible study is going to be coming up in three months, so get ready. So I got to be not only a teacher, but a preacher, and I really got to learn what the meaning of the word was about. Look for those opportunities. I, I can't explain to you how, how challenging, how rewarding, how fulfilling, but how deeply you're gonna get into the scripture when you have to be the one that tries to teach or, or try to explain to others. That causes a whole different mindset when you're studying. So, I challenge you when you're studying to think about studying not for yourself, but think about studying for others. How would you answer this scripture if somebody were to ask you about it? What would you say? What would you say this means? How would you reason through this in your mind? What are some of the ways in the church that can be done more effectively? Any thoughts? How can the church create a setting where we ask each other questions in an intimate setting where you know you're going to be asked about this particular conversation topic. How can we create that? Any thoughts? Life groups. There we go. I'm going to put a plug in for life groups. Thought right here. Just to piggyback on what Chris said, I was saying.
pretty good job of it. Not yes, saying it other congregations don't, but right. just saying this one does. As far as life groups, as far as like the class that uh, Carrie is teaching on yes. how to study. Yes. Um, also getting together with, you know, an older brother that may have a little bit more depth in certain parts of the scripture that you don't. And then you get those one-on-one -on -one type relationships. It all begins to build and form Men's a Men's breakfast. Yes. Those are the kind of opportunities that we have. And look at those opportunities as not a chance to do good. Look at those opportunities as a chance where you can drill into yourself and be good. It, I always get more out of the group settings, the life groups, the prayer breakfasts, the devotionals, the, the weekend off where you're off by yourself. That time is priceless. There, there is nothing like it on any calendar. And for us to have so many of those opportunities, especially in this congregation, to do that is invaluable. Do yourself a favor. Take advantage of those opportunities. Studying is awesome when it's done with purpose. Come in here, crazy. Hold on, just a second, let me get a mic for you. Opportunities. The way I think about opportunities are a little bit different. Okay. Like um, in my own field, my profession, I see a lot of opportunities. Okay. But the way I challenge myself is to step into an unknown field where I will be challenged. Yes. You know, so I don't want to be in my comfort zone always saying that, okay, I'm perfect, I can do this, I can do that. So I always step into areas that I can be challenged and I'll be able to overcome that challenge to be able to accomplish a mission. It's the same way okay. the Lord has also presented to us a lot of opportunities in the church. Yes. We should never say that we don't know how to do evangelism. We should never say that we don't know how to do benevolence. We should never say that we don't know how to, but we have to step into that area and challenge ourselves to do it. Right. Because if you don't put yourself in that environment, you will not know your weakness. You yep. don't know your strengths. You will never know whatever is uh, pertaining to that environment. You know, so what I would like to say is the Lord has presented to us so many opportunities in the church to be able to even go out. When it comes to the food pantry, even yesterday, we had more than 20 people who are calling us to come and preach to them. Wow. So we need people. We need yes. people right now as I'm speaking. So if you are there, don't say, okay, I don't know how to preach. I don't know how to pray. I don't know. Just step into it and just whatever you have, the smallest thing that you have, like David, the smallest thing that you have was the tomb. Yes. And Goliath had so many things. But if the Lord is in that, that tomb, it can do so many things. Exactly. So let me, let me unpack a couple of things that you said there. The first is do not make excuses for yourself to study and be ready. That Amen. Making excuses is that putting the doing good in front of the being good. Because I think I did enough to do good. So now I don't have to be good because I can hide behind the doing good. Satan's there. Satan's definitely nipping at your heels trying to get you to get those two back mixed up. The second thing is be ready, train, so that when you're on the battlefield, and you mentioned the battlefield very much in the work, in, when you're walking around, the, the opportunity to witness to folks who are here um, for from the food pantry. That's not the time to have second doubts or not be confident in who you are in Christ. Not confident in who you are, confident in who you are in Christ. And there's a difference. You get confidence in who you are by doing good. Amen? 
I can do good on the basketball court. I can do good on the football team. Being good means I am letting Christ work through me. I am letting Christ be the reason I am here. That is being good. Don't ever let that light get dim. Always be ready when somebody challenges your being good to let Christ rise up to that challenge. Hey, let me, let me explain how this works. Steve in the back. And people know when you care for them. Yes, can't so fake this. if you're speaking to them about uh, Jesus Christ from a self-centered or performance, you know, am I, am I doing this right? You know, that'll come through. But if you're talking to them about, uh, you know, from a motive of, you know, this is a person who Jesus Christ, you know, loved and valued and I love and value too. And I want the best for them. I want the best possible life. And that's through Jesus Christ. That'll come across and, you know, that will be able to just uh, provide the fertile ground for the discussion you'll have about about God and and, uh, and our Savior. Absolutely. You can't fake this. We're going to have a class next week on fear. A um, little spoiler alert. Fear is definitely a place to learn this. But we've got a comment here. I want to get, get another comment then. You talk about um, being prepared to engage someone. Yes. Be prepared for that person to tell you the truth when you ask them what's going on with them. Absolutely. People will tell you. They'll be on if they're if they're in a, a rough spot, they will tell you. And that's that's where your sincerity will be tested. People will tell you if, if they're struggling financially, they'll tell you if they're struggling relationships sometimes. Right. And, and there are some people who are much more guard and just give you a generalization of things. But sometimes when you ask people, they will tell you exactly what's going on with them. Right. And you have to be ready to really deal with that and get down there with them, especially in terms of prayer. So. Exactly. You. The, the challenges are real. This world is a place where things happen and it comes at you fast. And a lot of people get caught up in the doing good. And a lot of people get caught up on the persona and that drags them off into a world that they just, they don't know how to handle because they think they're doing the right thing. There are people who, who want to provide for their family because that is a good thing but they get so locked in what does financial wealth mean and how much money does my family need and it's always the next thing and that's the treadmill that Satan gets us into and we suddenly lose track of, I'm not a good person anymore. I'm willing to do things at work that a Christian would never do, but I have to do that to get ahead. Oh man, where am I at now? And that, that is the truth that we have to come to and be ready to deal with because we cannot let what people are doing, color our eyes on who people are in their hearts. Carrie, got a comment right here. Carrie, hang on. I just want to say that um, uh, one of the things that um, I think we need to think about too is that um, the Christian life is not something we do by ourselves. Right. Um, you know, we, we're, we're talking a lot about studying and showing ourselves approved unto God or, you know, that, that whole thing. Um, we also need one another. Yes. And, and God put us in a body for a reason. And sometimes we need older brothers to help younger brothers. Amen. Older sisters to help younger sisters. We need mentoring going on. Right. 
we need somebody to hold our hand. I mean, um, uh, Demetrius just mentioned, you know, you, you talk to certain people and they're gonna tell you the truth. Not everybody can handle that. <laughs> Amen. Some people can handle it very well. People need to match up with each other so they can learn how to handle those situations. I agree. Unfortunately, we had a, a mentor here that we've lost recently, uh, Ian. I've never seen anybody that can handle life situations like Ian. I mean, I saw people talk, he would talk to people that would have me in tears in, in five seconds because of the situations that are going on in the lives. Ian was such a mature giant of a, of a Christian. He could just, he could accept it. He could internalize it. He could work with it. And it just became this, this natural thing that I would love for him to have been around longer because uh, I still miss him today. But those are the kind of things that we can learn from each other is how do, how do I prepare myself for that kind of an encounter? And how do I make sure that I don't put my personal sensibilities of what is right and wrong and cause challenges with what I know? It, we've got a comment here. I'll make sure I get the last, these comments in. Um, yeah, one thing I, I know an older sister had taught me about what you, know, you all were talking about. Um, she told me to just pray, Lord, help my heart. Yes. Um, and I found that um, when I'm really honest in prayer with the Lord about um, what I am afraid to do or what I think, you know, if I think someone's going to come back at me or if I think that um, I can't do it or I'm not going to be sincere, I should ask the Lord to help my heart because he is working in me through his spirit to change me and transform me. And so if I trust him to do that, then I will get those opportunities. And even if I fail, I can try again and I can keep at it um, as long as I am asking him in honesty to help me. Amen. I'm gonna to touch on that and we're gonna wrap up. The, the word that Quasi mentioned was willingness. And we have to be willing to go to the Lord in prayer and ask for that, but we also have to be willing to let the Lord guide us where he wants us to be. There have been a lot of times, like I said, where I have prepared words that I thought needed to be said. And I would get up here and I just realized that, that that's, not, that's not right. That's not what is needed. There's something completely different. And in conversation with people, what needed to be said came out. And humbly, I had to sit back and say, God, what I prepared was not right. But what you provided through this congregation is what needed to be said. That's the kind of thing that we have to be prepared for, is being willing to ask, being willing to receive, and be willing for the Lord to work in us and through us and put us in situations that we may not think we're ready for. But through our brothers and sisters here, we can get there. And that is the emphasis on training. That is how we collectively as a church sharpen our, our knives against each other so that we're ready to handle the world when it throws us at us. Just a few minutes over, I appreciate the comments. Like I said, next week, spoiler, we're gonna talk about fear and how fear can kind of create all these challenges that we have to face. But for now, I appreciate your time, comments, and thoughts, and uh, God bless, thank you. <laughs>